So I'm over the moon to announce that we've got a new sponsor. It's BDO, who are the trusted accountancy and advisory firm that you may know. BDO is the perfect partner for our podcast, as we both love to help entrepreneurs build high-value businesses, and BDO are always there to help advise people like you on how to succeed. I had the pleasure of meeting a few of the team at the Publican Awards, and I found out they were massive fans of the podcast, were obsessed with the success of our industry, and also a million miles away from the grey-suited drones that you usually deal with. To check out more about BDO and how they can help you get to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Supersonic! 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I'm out in incredible Essex and I'm out visiting a business guru by the name of James Sinclair. You might not know James, and he's not really from the hospitality industry. He is the party man, and he's got a business empire that's growing, where he has Marsh Farm, where I am today, which is like a a kid's sort of urban farm, if you like, uh, for them to go and learn about animals and and get up close to them and, and have some fun on the inflatable tractors and all these things. He also has... Uh, kids entertainment centres, family entertainment centres, uh, the kind of places you would take your kids maybe on a light drizzly day and also a bunch of day nurseries as well. So James talks me through why it's important in business to have an investment strategy as well as being an entrepreneur. James is also a really well-renowned author and speaker on basically business improvement. So I thought it was a really good idea to talk to James and get his take on the restaurant industry, stories about him learning the game, how he became an entrepreneur and an investor at a very early age, and hopefully just giving you some business gold to really help you in your business, turn it around, start off in the right way, or just make the improvements to get towards the revenue and the profit that you really are dreaming of. So it gives me the most party man magic pleasure ever (laughs) um, to introduce the incredible James Sinclair. Oh, thank you, Mark. That's very kind of you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, I know it's a bit of a random one, right? Why? Why is it random? (laughs) Well, not you, um, but, you know, the request, I suppose, because it's a food and drink marketing podcast in the main. I like food. (laughs) I'm in the right place. When I came in, I was like, he's just eating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love good food. And I found out that you used to work for Pret, and I'm a massive fan of Pret. Yes. No, it's a lovely, a lovely, lovely place to be. just love a business that's so consistent in its delivery, and and the food is good, and I think they've really changed, like, how you can do good food quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's... An overnight success in 30 odd years. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, one wonderful place to be and wonderful, you know, people to work with. And so we're in the amazing Marsh Farm. Yeah, we are indeed. This is one of our, uh, it's our business where my head office is. And mm. we're in the, the building right now where my senior team work with me. Yeah, so we, we, we're a, a family entertainment business, uh, but we also own a chain of day nurseries, mm-hmm. and we make teddy bears, make a lot of teddy bears, yeah. made over a million teddy bears over the last few years, um, and we sell them mainly to wholesale, but we're trying to break into retail on that. Um, but yeah, we have over a million customers come through the doors mm-hmm. each year, got over 400 staff now, um, and it all started off when I was a kid's entertainer, doing magic shows, and well, that's how it all kicked off. This is where I was going to start, and you know, it's just a fascinating story so you know we we both I think are fans of Gary V and, and yep. all that stuff and he's talking about kid entrepreneurs and all that so you actually are one were one yeah um, 
yeah, I suppose I was really. I mean, I, I'm just unhappy like with what I had when I was a kid and I left home early and mm-hmm. I was sort of really forced into entrepreneurship um, and um, I thought I was a bit of a wally so I thought I might as well get people <laughs> to pay me to be a bit of a wally and I started kids parties went out and done that stuff and that generated cash flow for me very quickly mm-hmm. um, and because I was so busy I never got to spend it so I started buying properties at four, so what was happening at 14 then, if we go back? So I've done, done kids' parties, like 14, 15, 16. Uh-huh. Um, but by the time I'd left school, so by the time I was like 16, 17, I'd left home and I was I was earning about £1,500 a week then, which was a huge amount of cash wow. for just doing kids' parties around London, Essex, Kent, so all the, the counties that touch London around the southeast. Um, I went out and did parties and I just... I had to, you know, I had people driving me, getting there, and I would do like four or five gigs a day. Wow. So I was in and out, in and out, yeah. uh, just doing more, more, more. And that built up a database of customers that really liked me. And I was doing things very differently. Yeah. So I was a bit edgy, okay. you know. Um, so you know, was that a little bit double? Yeah, jokes that yeah, it was good for the yeah, adults and good for the kids the adults yeah, yeah, and yeah. entertain the kids at yeah, the same yeah. time which was really against the grain when I started out so it's basically like you know when you go and see, go and see a pantomime in the UK there's that mm. there's that dual readership path yeah, yeah. but for adults and kids yeah. and I was doing the same thing for and that, that that really was a bit edgy and a bit out there mm-hmm. um, and I suppose it's the go you watch Shrek now it's the yeah. it's the done thing you watch a pantomime it's the done thing now Simpsons yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> Simpsons yeah. and I so I just built up this database and then we started opening venues because I realised that that job I was swapping time for money mm-hmm. and because uh, my mum had a mess and died and I was like oh my god like you you know you, you know, I was always constantly aware if you get ill what happens and I started buying property and so I bought a house when I was 18 another one I was 19 another one I was 20 and just renting them out yeah, yeah. but then I was like oh my god you know these mortgages like if I you know break my leg or break my yeah. arm like I can no longer be a magic man anymore. Like yeah, game yeah. over. So yeah. it was essential that I took it from a really profitable job into a profitable business. Yeah. So I'm just realising when we were chatting, when I was setting up, I've went the other way and done the wrong thing, probably. <laughs> well, and that I've went back to just being myself. So, well, <laughs> so if I break my leg, that's it. It's all over. <laughs> well, you're the type of job you probably could. You know, I needed to perform, so like, yeah. it was different. But you know, I I have a big problem with I think entrepreneurs and business owners that they go into the world of being self-employed, as it were, mm. or starting something, and they're just swapping time for money. And it is yeah. a profitable job rather than a profitable business. Yeah, yeah. Now. If your comfort isn't there, then go and work for someone. Be a number two or three or a four yeah, in a yeah. company. Maybe get a share option. Be part yeah. of a brilliant culture, brilliant company. Because if you're going to be the person that, that is the top of the tree, then mm. you need to make sure that if something happens to you, that your family are looked after. Like So, for example, if you had a family and you've got a profitable job in yeah. terms of a business where you're swapping time for money and it stops, what security mm. have you got for your family? If you've yeah. got two kids, a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that stuff worries me, and I've seen yeah. that happen to people. Yeah. Now, if I got ill, everything will carry on getting paid. Yeah. And that that's what, that, I suppose property did that for me. As a, mm. I always saw that as a, but when you buy a property, you don't make money f- until 10 years. No, that's a whale. It's a, you know, it doubles in value every 10 years, and the rents really don't pay you lots and lots of money until it really kicks in, you know, mm. after a few years when it rises in value properly. Because the first few years are, you know, they, they, they do generate cash, but not like enough to replace an income. Yeah. Unless you're doing HMOs and service to corporations, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, but then, so you're 18, 19, 20 and getting to be some sort yeah. of property guru and stuff. What sort of happened then after that? So I suppose I was really lucky as well. I don't, I suppose one of the biggest lucks for me was I discovered this book called Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. And yes. You know, and I, I, I suppose any young entrepreneur even now will always look to that guy as mm-hmm. like the this is the go-to guy the yeah. the aspiration is Richard Branson if you're a Brit and I read that book and Rich just you know from I talk like I know it but yeah, I've read yeah. all of his you stuff you feel like you do don't and, you and I read that book and he basically gave me permission if you're not good at something mm-hmm. go and get someone else to do it for you within your company yep. and that is completely against the grain of how we're brought up in the UK mm-hmm. like we're taught if you can't succeed try try again right so 
if you're dyslexic and you're not good with numbers and words, then get someone else to come and help you do numbers and words. Yeah. And actually, I think dyslexic people do that when, like he was, pretty quickly. Um, and you know, I think as you know, in the UK, thirty-five percent of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. Is that right? It's, you know, so it, it, you know that they. I think they're actually blessed with a difference and ability to think differently. There's maybe an agility within that as yeah, well. I think yeah, right. They, you have to find another way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe another way of doing it is recruiting a team around you that are better than you, yeah. and then you just play to your absolute strengths. Yeah. Why would you not want to do that? Yeah. So um, I see so many business owners that start out, they're really good at sales and marketing, and they build their business up, and then they get into an operations role, and I'm like, I can't. Or an HR role. Yeah, they become running their business rather yeah. than building their business, yeah. and that their core talent and strength is building a business, not running it, and, yeah. and they should need to get back into that. Yeah. Well, I think it's very similar to um, Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Working Week, which a lot of it doesn't really. I haven't read that work. one, I've heard of Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. Um, I think the point with the book is it's more like you'd have an online business that's passive income the way he treats it but the, the, the point of it is he talks about if you say you worked for a company let's say you work for HSBC whatever, middle management 60 grand whatever you then figure out what your time's worth and actually what you could do is hire someone in India or someone like that that's extremely proficient at presentations or doing jobs or whatever it is yeah. and you pay them 13 grand a year 15 grand and then they do all your work for you and then or a lot of your work for you which then frees you up to be a thinker yeah, which yeah. then gets you up the organisation quicker which yeah, yeah. I thought was a really smart way to think about it you know yeah yeah well, I get that yeah but I can see also I don't know if your boss would be that pleased with you that you've got oh, I, I do know a story about <laughs> there's a similar story about a, a computer programmer mm. and uh, they'd done a check on his um, he was getting all of his work done on Aye. time it's a true story this and they was like uh, they they done a check on his screens so like they do like just a yeah, what would you call that like a mystery shopping and I know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. a watchdog yeah, check yeah, you know yeah. and they hadn't done anything at work but he'd get all his work done on time and uh, he came clean and said yeah I've just re-employed someone in the Philippines to do it all <laughs> they actually promoted him to outsource the whole department so that company was smart in that what situation that's <laughs> so well actually this guy's just dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the stuff <laughs> you know great good for him and then, so after um, you know your party management's got up and running, I guess. Yeah. Then, what about what was the first move? Then, what was it? The the nurseries or the you know the, was it no, no, here? We you know, what happened? So, so we went into leisure first of all. We opened a family entertainment centre, mm. and we did that when I was twenty one. And that was so we went from a business that was turning you know one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year straight into a million pound turnover business in mm. the in the same year so there was a lot of learning curves then mm. and we had to you know we, we were getting customers because I, I suppose I've always been quite good at getting customers mm -hmm. it's been something that's ingrained into me and mainly using offline tactics very traditional stuff I like that mm -hmm. um, and I like doing that to drive online so I like to oh, yeah. drive do offline marketing to get people online um, so and then we did that. We just filled the business up. Um, and then I bought another one. Uh, we set up another one, started doing commercial property from there on. Um, so, yeah, it just went mad. And then I was starting to get think, right, this business, the big problem with this business is it's so dedicated by the weather. So rain mm. literally made me a millionaire and sun nearly yeah. killed me. So, Late drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> so 2009, the sun came out. And when you're an indoor leisure business, uh, we nearly went bust. Nice, so yeah. we got through it. And I thought, well, what am I going to do about this? I need to get some regular income mm. because I had property and... I, I was used to like you buy a property, rent it out, and you get rent every single month. Mm. So going forward from there, um, I looked and I thought, right, let's get this into some regular income. So I looked at memberships. I thought, can we do direct debit memberships? And my team were dead against that. They said, oh, either people are just bounce on us and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So we went into open day nurseries. And so we got our business, we got our building, we put day nurseries into the ones that we could. So we just basically swept the asset of the the overhead so we were already paying the rents and the rates and the the electric and stuff and now we just added another revenue stream and it in in many cases it doubled the turnover of the exact same sign mm. and 
then that was a big game-changing moment mm. for us. And also, what I also looked at is you should always build a business to sell, even if you have no intention of selling yep. it. Because if you're self-employed, the business value is going to be your biggest pension. Mm-hmm. That's why I also have a problem with people just building profitable jobs, because no one wants to buy a job. Yeah. They want to buy a trading business. Now, if you have a profitable job... Um, and you don't want to set up a business, then you need to make sure that you invest a percentage of your income into property, stocks and shares, or other businesses, so that you have a pension fund around you. So I looked at this in my business, I'm right, okay, my biggest value should be my business and that I want to sell it one day, even if I don't want to. I looked at this leisure business and I realised no one was buying leisure businesses. So I screwed. Then I realised private equity venture capitalists were buying day nurseries Mm. and they were paying like 13 times profit huge amounts mm. so I thought right well I've got to innovate our business adapt our business so that it's valuable to sell um, and here's another great thing Mark when you build a business that someone wants to buy it's actually easy super duper easy to finance it yeah it's super duper easy to get great people to come work for you all the best people want to work for businesses that want to sell um, that Banks want to, so if you've got day nurseries, banks love lending to day nurseries if they're profitable. And so what I mean by that is if you open a restaurant, it turns a million pounds, it makes 200,000 pounds worth of profit. You open a day nursery, it makes a million pounds, it makes 200,000 pounds worth of profit. The day nursery will always have more buyers for it to buy than the restaurant because the restaurant is usually key man driven, driven by a fantastic entrepreneur, Mm. whereas a day nursery can be run by management. And that is a big, crucial difference. That's a good point. That's a good point. So look for businesses or I was looking to get my business to be something that someone else could easily buy it's like that they would be buying an investment rather than a set of problems yeah and that's why I think property always goes up in value because people say yeah I know what I can do on this I can go and work for someone buy this property rent it out it's an investment you know it doesn't need loads of brain power whereas lots of businesses need to be driven by a a real key (laughs) entrepreneur yeah and you know, I th- thinking about the restaurant scene. You know, so thinking about the restaurant scene. What are you viewing on that? You know, as a businessman out there, and you know, I'm sure you've got your eye on all sorts of sectors. What so, are you so, seeing? So, so with with if you know restaurants, there's a number of reasons why restaurants in the UK are really struggling. Mm. Number one for me is the biggest thing is tax on turnover. So in the UK, we're very, quite fortunate, really, that the tax on profit is quite small, mm. but it's the journey to get into a profit that's mm. difficult for most. So, and what do I call tax on turnover? The, the disgusting rate of VAT that we pay in this country on services. I actually don't have a problem paying 20 25%, 30% VAT if I go and buy a snazzy Mac or a new iPhone or a TV for my house or something like that. What I have a problem with is VAT on services because yeah. then companies haven't got stuff to claim back again. No, I just think how much better the restaurant sector would be if we had VAT like Ireland for pubs yeah, and stuff yeah. is five percent. Right? Can you imagine if we had that in the UK? Everyone would get paid more. You'd invest in restaurants mm. more. Um, it would be more affordable to go and eat in restaurants. It, it would just create more, more, more. And the government keeps saying, "Well, we don't want people to have those sort of jobs. We want them to have higher level type jobs." Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay, but not everyone wants to do higher level type jobs. Not everyone can be a blooming rocket scientist or a computer programmer. Some people just want to work in Costa Coffee for 16 hours because their family means more to them and they just want a bit of pocket money. And, you know, trying to, like, squeeze all those jobs is just not good for society. That aside, so tax on turnover is the biggest problem. So, because you see these restaurants turning great money, doing Mm -hmm. good average customer value, good spend per head. It's the overheads that stopping them paying their people the right amount of money. That's why we have to really scrimp and scrape on labour all the time. I mean, the business that we're in right now, when we took over, our business rates are here were £2,800 a month. Two years later, it's £5,000 a month. That is way beyond inflation it's way out of order it's way unfair and I see I mean I go and meet MPs and talk to the government all the time about Mm. this disgusting tax on turnover it's not just business rates they put insurance premium tax on stuff like that which wasn't didn't exist seven years ago so all of this tax and turnover stops the innovation in the sector Mm -hmm. squeezes the margins all the time and you can't just keep on putting your prices up because the market go well we can't afford to do it because wages are not going up in line and aware that what the government are doing with the money I mean that just 
and, and to now they have got a surplus apparently so they should be given some breaks on that so I've I have a big problem with that and then competition there's it, it's so me too there's so many much more competition sure. in but then there's other people like Wagamamas that are just fantastic always seem busy they're doing alright I think that's because they are they haven't really got any competition to that style have they well that's yet. an interesting point that you've picked that up because they defined themselves actually as being a category of one yeah. Which I think was a really smart move. So they yeah. just distanced themselves from everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you look at it, it's, it's funny, you know, we were talking about Pret earlier too. And if you look at the brands in the food and drink sector that are doing really well, yeah. either they've built something great, kept consistent, and, you know, they, they've sort of managed to just kind of keep that level of quality there and they don't discount. Yeah. And then the other ones are, like the Hawksmoors and the Deshumes of the world and all that, where they've just done it really slow and steady. And yeah, for yeah. a lot of investors, they don't want that. But actually, oh. for the right one, you know, that actually can well, work out quite well. That, that was going to be my other point. If you've oh. got private equity involved and you're interested, pay back all these investments is all rolled up and then every five, and that is the other. Yeah, so um, I would always, my, my core thing about investment is, you know, term loans with a bank over a much, lo- you know, longer period of time try and retain ownership rather than you know, I mean I know I could go up to the city and mm. get like 10 20 million pounds worth of investment but I'd rather go to my bank and get a million quid because I think over 10 years at the end of year 10 whether you take private equity your value won't be that much difference now if you have a plan to do something where you're going to build something up with private equity money and sell it in five mm. years then maybe that's the right course to go. But I'm not like that. I'm a bit more of a collector. You know, I'm very ambitious. I want to do things. Yeah, I want, you know, I want to get our business from a £15 million company to a £30 million company. But I don't need to do that in two years. I'll do it in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Thinking about, you know, the life of you. So the life of you starting up, you know, and it was quite interesting. I saw a really good quote the other day which said, don't think about startups. Think about start rights, which I thought was quite a good, yeah, a good yeah. one. Um, so you know you're starting up, but now starting to mature. Um, but also, I'm really interested to talk about the personal brand side of things as well. So, yeah. where that's going? Because I'm on a slightly similar journey, but I'm but yeah. far behind than than your good self. But it's just trying to think about that, and also the sort of topics that you're speaking on. Um, you know, because I see you're content on LinkedIn and it's just always brilliantly entertaining, especially one about Jesus and the disciples and Ah. all that stuff just really made me giggle. So it'd be good to just try and figure out a bit of that. So maybe a bit about entrepreneur and then a bit into the personal brand side of things, what's going on with you, what your plan is. So I think... Again, from Richard Branson. Richard Branson done this before anyone else mm. in in the business world. He built a personal brand that opened doors for Virgin. Simple, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, everyone got. He, he, he was doing business advice, giving stuff up. Alan Sugar's done it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's opened doors for their businesses. Yeah. And that's sort of what I look to do. Like, if I build my per, so I did that in my. So I used to be called Jimbo in my entertainment business. Uh-huh. And the business in right now, my Jimbo brand. Like got so well known in Essex for family entertainment and leisure, Essex County Council, who owned this site before, that helped. Yeah, that got me in the door mm-hmm. because I'd built this personal family entertainment brand. Now the business is a bit bigger. 
the, the primary objective of why I'm building a personal brand is to open doors for party man and Twizzle Tops Day Nurseries. Yeah. I had a shopping centre group in here that have got nine shopping centres. They come and spoke to me about opening day nurseries that they've seen my content on business so that they know they're talking yeah. to a right person. They're the little gems that I'm looking for. Yeah. So number one, I think personal brand, building a personal business brand, if you've got charisma, consistency and good content, that will deliver great, you know, little hinges open big doors. You know, that's yeah, how yeah. And that, that, every little video goes to open a big door eventually. And, and that's why I do it. Number two is I'm an entertainer at heart. Yes. I love being on stage. I love, love, love doing that stuff. And I just thought, well, as I get older, that's a good little space for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I feel like I was put on the planet to change business owners' lives because I can think differently. I'm very confident in doing stuff that most people won't do. I've taken risks that most people won't take. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but my experience, I like sharing with others to really saw their business to success. And I like to do it from a place of experience rather than theory. Yes, and I, th- I think that shows, you know. Um, I think a lot of the time, you know, it's almost like going to university or whatever. You're getting people that are learned, I suppose, mm. in the old language. But, you know, they never really worked in industry. So it is a good gap to say, been there, done it, smashed together with being an entertainer. Yeah. Therefore, you know, you'll be the highlight on any speaking thing or doing your well, course. Or, for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 I yeah. like to, you know, I, I don't... I, don't, I want to be a fun, entertaining business speaker. And I think if you make it fun, the learning happens. How people remember yeah. stuff, you know. And so, so, and I have, I love doing videos. And I, I, I literally, I'm over the moon that we've, one of my clients that, that works in food and beverage has got a pub and a hotel. Like it, their, their turnover's gone up sort of 60% compared to last year since working with me and I, I love that yeah oh, no, I, I think when you see real results for yeah. people you care about it's, it's yeah. brilliant and I think the other thing I always say to, to people as well is this rubbish is going on in my head anyway I might as well yeah. help people and get it out and, yeah, and, yeah, and try yeah. and try and help them oh, and the other thing I like to it makes me accountable right when I say I'm doing content marketing yeah. and I believe in it I've got to keep going because I've put myself right, <laughs> right. Done so, it. yeah this is exactly right so what happened to me was what would have been two two years ago now, maybe something like that. Speaking at a thing for restaurants, it's kind of the biggest one you've got. It's uh, CJ Peach, it's called. There's about, I don't know, 600, 700 people there or whatever. And it's kind of the great and the good of the, the industry. So anyway, I'm up there and I'm bleating on saying, content, 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 you know, a bit of Gary Vee stuff and here's what you should be doing and blah, blah, blah. And I come off and I got talking to someone and they were saying, uh, I want all that stuff for my business. And so that was a kind of side conversation. But what clicked in my head was I'm not doing any of this. Yeah. And I thought, right, I need to... So this was maybe the October to November, and I think we launched the Spectacular Market Podcast, as it was then, uh, by the February, I think. But a couple of great things was I managed to get a producer that used to work at Absolute Radio and, and Virgin Radio, yeah. and he's freelancing now, and that made such a difference to like the quality yeah, of yeah. the intro music. you know, Because you know how most podcasts have got some kind of hold music as their intro music or because yeah, they, yeah. they buy the thing that's 10 quid that's royalty free you know yeah, yeah. Um, so just having someone like that with a produ- radio production brain yeah, just yeah. really helped the structure well, of it all I, you know I always say that, that on my podcast I'd like it to be like you know Chris Evans on radio too oh, yeah, you he's know. my hero yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. how you know there's always a bed of music underneath yeah. it um, I, and you know you've got a team of you and uh, that is you know the person that we, we're just a bit you know we, we do bring out a podcast but we much much spend much more of our time concentrating on video yeah I think than, you're right to do that than, than podcasts but you know I think sound is so important as well mm. because you know more and more people are listening you know to podcasts and individual sounds and they're turning off from the big radio stations yeah well I think it was in the uh, it was in an update this morning oh hang on I think I'm going to go here but it was uh, Spotify is going to spend 500 million on podcast related acquisitions this year so you know it's going somewhere but I was doing a wee speech lately and the title was the fight for the eyes is over and the fight for the ears and tongue had just begun something like that and I think you know with the voice side of things and then also the the, the sound so you know I think it's about spreading yourself but I mean 
I'm regretting now having, you know, 50 odd episodes that I've maybe only got three videos of that are of any worth, you know. Yeah, well, so, 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 so it's so good to try and do both. Podcast video. We, 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 with our content marketing journey, is wherever we can with your purpose. Yeah. So, you know, we. we yeah, we would record a podcast video and turn it into a podcast, or we'll record a keynote and put it out as a podcast. Yeah, but it's also on YouTube as well, and I yeah. think that's a really wherever you can leverage and dual purpose your work. Why would you not do that? Because some people are just not going to listen to podcasts, but they will watch on YouTube. Yeah, so yeah. You, you know you have to respect that, and it's a smart thing to do. Well, that was a weird thing. Our listeners, I think it was a third of people listened on YouTube. Although it was just audio with a still picture, yeah, yeah. So you know you can never tell. Yeah, can Tony you? Robbins does that. Yeah, and you know, and everyone knows who he is. Yeah. It? Have you been to one of his? No, I haven't. But I, it's funny enough. We I should was, go together. Yeah, I, change I, our lives. I do want to go to. I fancy I mean, it. I, I've never, people go along to his stuff and then they come out really smart. Behind yeah, change my life. My very good friend Kelly went, who used to work with me at LastMinute.com, and I don't want to get into too many personal details about her, but she went vegan. Gave up smoking, uh, gave up drinking quite a bit as well. Um, completely changed our career path, our partner's path as well. Like just, it was instantaneous. Just like yeah. it just something clicked on her. Well, yeah, you know, but it was brilliant we, to see. We've we've met loads of people that said that kind of same stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a, It looked amazing, and they did the hot coals thing and yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. You know, so that was quite cool. So, just in terms of the content, then how do you plan all this, and Don't. how do you yeah. How do you work it in with your other stuff you've got no, because going on? It, you know, we make the content, we make videos around what I'm doing. So we we, we, we have a, a, a series, we, we have backstage business, which we've not been doing as much, but we still do, mm-hmm. which is the runnings of my companies, and that's like a, like a documentary into yep. the runnings of my company. We then do what we call direct content, which we sort of in-house call secrets of success. So that might be five ways to grow your business using email, five offline marketing ideas to grow your business, um, it could be five ways to hire the best people to grow your business so mm. there's like direct teaching stuff um, and then we put out our podcasts and keynotes and we also do what we call shareables so these would be up to a minute long uh, attention grabbing pieces that we put on Facebook and LinkedIn mm-hmm. that maybe we it's called clickbait really you know where yeah. it's again people want to click and watch this because we're you know no one's going to watch a 50 minute keynote of mine if they don't know who I am sure yeah, yeah so, and so and and it's, it's it's the basic marketing you know that everyone wants to talk about me 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 and that we've I suppose that's what we did with backstage business like this is what's going on in my life but you need to have more of a profile before people want to know that stuff yeah. what's in it for them yeah it's the basic marketing you know what's in it for them and yeah. you know and, and not going with features and benefits like what's the pain you can solve and I think that's why we have a move to a you know there's five ways you're going to learn how to grow your business using email yeah. like that's straight away I know what it's in it for me so you know we, and, and so many business owners are, you know my I wrote, wrote this new book called Getting Customers it comes mm. out on my birthday 14th of June how, oh, congratulations and also how many books have you got now is it three 64 Oh, come, really? on. <laughs> come on, one, so, one in Chinese, one yeah, in, yeah, 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 Signed, yeah. This, <laughs> this next one, um, getting customers. Guess what it's about? I can guess. <laughs> and so, so you're my, not a very cryptic man, are you? No, I like so my marketing is very bad. I like, like well, yeah, it's right, direct. Yeah, yeah. No, I like direct marketing. I do believe in brand marketing. Is if you've got a three million pound budget, sure, to do sure. it like, like I said before. You're just talking, yeah. You know, you can, like so many small businesses like they care about brand and stuff like that, and I'm like. You know, you've got to care about getting customers. You know, yeah. that's important. When you've the got a big budget, you can then go off because brand marketing works. I mean, like if you want to create a go compare type, you know, thing that everyone's going to remember, 
a three million pound budget is going to get you out there, mm-hmm. and that would be really good. I mean, there is a little story that you can build a national brand with three million quid if you just spend it all on marketing. Yeah. But no one's got three million quid and start. Not many. Face. You know, no. you've got to be a big boy to be able to do that. Or girl. Um, so, so my marketing is always direct. I want people to understand straight what it was, and we follow this thing called market message media. So we want to know who our market is, what's our message, then the media, mm-hmm. and every single one that person that I work with that come to my seminars all start with the media and that's the, the the danger is you've got access to media now in the 60s or 70s if you wanted to put a TV commercial on you would definitely start off with market Who, who's our market yep. what's going to be our message mm-hmm. can we afford the media now media is so free you know YouTube LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you've got these platforms. Mm-hmm. People are very lazy with their marketing yeah, and their yeah. message. So they're just like, oh, they think, oh, I must put something on YouTube. Oh, I, I need to take a box. Yeah. Here's the things I've got to do today. That's right. And, and, and marketing you know, shouldn't like, be like no, that. No. So the post people waste time. They don't get, you know, they think, oh, I've put something on Instagram. Why haven't I got a customer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so our, our, but that's the good thing about but personal brand is you could see as awareness marketing, mm. but it's free. Yeah. So I don't mind that. You know, I don't mind brand marketing if it's free, awareness yeah. marketing if it's free, but all the paid for stuff should be to actually acquire customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can track and measure it. Then if you become a big boy, then do your awareness marketing. You can go for it. Well, yeah. it's so I was really curious, um, you know, when you're doing your, your, your business seminars, what are your main pillars that you're, presentations around it have you got like evergreen ones that will never go out of fashion or are you constantly changing these or, or is it a bit of a mishmash what's, so, what's so, you know? so, so I run something called the Entrepreneur's Masterclass which is a two day course where I teach about property investing mm-hmm. so so basically the, the pillar of what we do is, is that we teach that you you must have a vision for where you want to go what does the end look like yep. having an end in mind very important then we teach you about being an investorpreneur rather than an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think I saw you write yeah. that up in a flip chart sometime. So yeah. entrepreneurs, if you look up the word, they're, they're seeking opportunity. Um, and that's a big problem with entrepreneurs and why they go bust and business owners go bust. And quite frankly, 94% of businesses don't make right? 10 years. Yeah. 50% don't make two years. Yeah. 80% don't make five years. And that's because they don't have an end in mind. They don't know what they're building. They've got battle plans, but not a war plan. So it's all opportunity. Someone gives you an opportunity, you go for it. Disastrous. Whereas the investor seeks profit. So I like to teach entrepreneurs to go, right, let's seek for profitable opportunities. And then we're going to stay in the game a lot longer. And let's do stuff that trades and makes money. And then we may be able to do our dreams afterwards. So you look at someone like Richard Branson started selling records. He didn't start flying out to space. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, someone like Elon Musk built PayPal, didn't start with SpaceX and yeah, electric yeah. cars. you got to work your way up the tree to mm. build your knowledge before you might be able to do the thing that really, that you believe will change the world. Yeah. And so, like with me, I've always wanted to have visitor attractions. I'd like to own a zoo. But I knew the first stage would be a magician, learn how to trade yeah. a sole trader business, then open a family entertainment centre, then day nurseries, then, you know, we'll buy half a million pounds worth of fluff from China and sell our teddy bears. Yeah. Like that, you know, I move up the, you know, move up the chain. I didn't start with commercial property. The first thing I bought was a little two up, two down. Yeah. You know, and you, you work your way up, you know, but, and that's really important. And lots of people say, well, I'll start my business when I can open my 500 bedroom hotel. You know, yeah. no. Yeah. No, great. no, no. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you have to work your way up and that, that's really important. Well, it's, it, it, it's a smashing point because I guess there's a couple of things. One is a very personal thing to me, which is, to end up doing what I'm doing now, I always talk about it being like Sonic the Hedgehog when you were picking up the rings yeah. as you're going through. Um, and I knew I had to do all these jobs of yeah, working yeah. with an agency. Or a, but there was a great book that I... No, no, I'm saying talking about books, I don't really read that much, to be honest. I'm really bad at that. But um, there was um, a book called... I think it was... It was either What's Stopping You or it was A Life Plan. It was one of those. And within that, it had... It, exactly as you're saying, it was brilliant. It said... 15 years time where do you want to be which is you know classic question yeah, yeah. however the clever bit then was it said 12 years time what do you need to stage do you need to be at to make 15 yeah. up and then, da, 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 and then the killer blow the, the last bit to spoil the book for everyone was um, what are you going to do tomorrow 
yeah. And as soon as I get back off that holiday, I resign from your sushi so, and then it's, yeah, it, moved on. It's all about reverse engineering yeah. the stuff, you know, and, and saying what the end looks like. That's, a, that's you know, seven habits of highly effective people is thinking with the end in mind. Yeah. You know, someone that goes through university and says, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a vet, I want to be a lawyer, that, or I want to be an architect, gets through education so much better mm-hmm. because they know why they're doing their education. Those that don't know what they want to get out of it yeah. always struggle with education. Yeah. It's the same with business. If you say, I want to build a, you know, a world-class brand that everyone loves, that makes £5 million worth of profit, that does this and this, you know, when you list it out, the, the, you start mapping out a journey. So we teach that. We teach the four companies. You've got to understand the company you are today number two is the company you want to be number three is a media and marketing company that's going to push leads into one and two and number four is a property investment company so we go through property investment how to buy companies with zero like that is something that all entrepreneurs need to do they need to grow by acquisition but not using any of their own cash very easy to do like i could go and like literally from today give me a year i can own 10 restaurants and put no money into it how well, it's just work? very easy to do. You know, you just can do. You know, you just buy businesses for nothing and improve them. And I've done that twelve times. Um, you can even get reverse premiums where people pay you to take over a business. These are happening all the time. So I teach all that stuff um, because I think it's really valuable and interesting to know. You know, you look at Theopathetus. You know, the guy that owns Ryman and mm-hmm. um, uh, is he still with Lucenzo? Yeah, he's, stuff, he's, no, he doesn't. Oh, he just get rid of He sold that, but. Theo's bought so many businesses for nothing and improved them, which means you save on your capital outlay. Now, it's not... Obviously, you've got the money and you want to do like the Wagamama route where you know exactly what it looks like, but you sometimes need the stepping stones Mm. and buy some other businesses, improve them, then sell them on to someone else, bringing you your seed capital to really do the things that you want to do. That's really smart. And then... When you're doing your speaking gigs, I mean, where's this taking you in the world? Do you, I think he's like, so Germany, maybe? Or? Yeah, but yeah, we're going to Ibiza later on the year. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you know, I'm very excited about that part of my life. Yes. You know, I think that will eventually will take over. And But what I'm trying to do is the personal brand, I want to pull opportunities towards me rather than yeah. push to be in speaking agencies, push to speak on people's stages. Yeah, yeah. When people discover you, you hold all the cards. Yeah, yeah. And that's the better way around. Yeah. That's why I write more books. And I'm trying to do offline stuff to build our online presence. So we're hopefully making this TV show. and It's more than hopeful. It's like we've made pilots and stuff with ITV. It's going to be... Yeah, about saving family businesses um, and that be a big series so that I'm doing that yeah, really yeah, yeah. only to boost my online presence yeah. so I would see that as offline TV traditional TV yeah, yeah. you know maybe get another million eyeballs on us and then you know that's everything it's once the snowballs really starts yeah. and our snowball's bigger than it was two years ago mm-hmm. bigger than it was six months ago you know yeah. but we need to get more views on our YouTube channel more views on LinkedIn more listens on our podcasts more people buying our books more people seeing me speak on stages and it's it's a spider web it yeah. just grows and grows doesn't it i think it's so exciting that that tv stuff's happening and it's just it's well deserved by the way because you know always stuff's always been entertaining to watch you know and that's how i got to in touch with you and then you know sort of looking forward then what do you think the next because the last two years have accelerated way beyond maybe what you thought i don't know if that was exactly planned well, when I, so the next two years more day nurseries um i'd like to try and get a zoo in the bag i really want to uh, so we've got a 70 acre farm park here but i'd like to get a zoo in the bag i'd wow. love to own a zoo uh, and film the turnaround of that uh, and i want to grow my personal brand and change more entrepreneurs lives because the thing is when you when you build a business I mean luckily we've got access to stuff like that you're putting out we've got access to books I mean Amazon is a great resource for sure. entrepreneurs and YouTube an even better resource you know you can actually I mean I, I always joke when I see your kids I go would you like to spend six hours with a billionaire to tell you how they've done it for 20 quid and they go yeah 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 I go well get yourself on Amazon you type in the word <laughs> get the Phil Knight book tells you how he built Nike and they're like they, they you know that, that them resources and 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 getting access to them are even easier than even five, ten years ago. So I want to... But sometimes action is taken when you go to like a seminar and you implement rather yeah. than just listen and watch, you know. Yeah. I was listening to this Tony Robbins thing. He said, you know, you know, you watch a football 
show on TV and you're sort of into it but if you're live at the stadium you're into it you're a fan yeah, yeah, you yeah. believe in it and that's the action of actually going somewhere mm. is much better than listening and watching that's why I believe seminars can really not just mine anyone's you know going and you know meeting clients is a much better way of actually getting them to become a client Definitely. rather than just relying on bloody email or yeah. you know direct mail and all that stuff you know that try and do a face to face and get in and be real and then you can really accelerate the growth of where you want to be so I just want to speak in more stages get my message out share what I can to help more people and you'll be okay with the fame yeah I, I have thought about that because I know that if that TV show that will change my life and one TV show won't change life I've done lots of TV stuff yeah, yeah. For, like, for the for party man and stuff and I'm pretty well known in my county of Essex because we've got four visitor attractions and mm. I've done theatre shows and stuff like that. And I, it's a really good point that because I I don't know how I'll be like where I can't just go in a restaurant and yeah yeah. But it's important for the business and if I if I change more lives then that's that's the yeah, yeah. that's the thing and I do believe I've been put here to do that yeah. sort of stuff. It's weird uh, when when you've got like the eyeballs or the ears on you and and then you get you know clients are client ready aren't they yeah. to buy from you and that makes a huge difference because yeah, yeah. they feel like they know you before and people yeah no, like if Gary Vaynerchuk up with you and said look I'll coach you for £35,000 a year to grow your business mm. like you'd you do it I'd take it for sure yeah <laughs> because because you know he's credible because you've watched all of his stuff mm. and and there's probably people out there that could do it better than him but they haven't got the eyeballs yeah yeah, and, and yeah, you've got that affinity with them. So just think about time, because <coughs> I know you'll need to go soon. Um, so there's a couple of things I was going to sort of Can't ask you. So towards the end of the podcast, we've got a little feature where we ask a few kind of quick-fire questions, and it's about food and drink yeah. to make it a bit fun. So we call it Mark Out of 10. So we've got best city to eat in. London. Easy. Wow, I'm yeah. very patriotic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. always go yeah. London. Uh, best restaurant. Best chain restaurant to me. Because I, I, I'll, I'll do chain because that's that's a wagamama's to me for consistency and mm-hmm. chain. Definitely Pratamandra for fast food, speed, consistency for the lower level, and independent. Uh, it'd be a real like, poncy one up in London. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I tell you, what I really do love. I like the Oxo Tower and the Ivy, but I, I suppose um, that's right. I'm wrong with that. I, I like, you know, I don't. I like presentation food, but I don't like it when it gets too poncy, too and that's why yeah. I like them too. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great, especially yeah. from the balcony at yeah, the yeah. Oxo Tower. The beautiful. original Ivy, yeah. not the not yeah, the, the, ca- the cafes. Yeah, 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 not yeah, ones, yeah. yeah. Best dish, so dream dish that you would have. Oh, dream dish! It will be um, something. Oh dear, that's, that's, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> uh, I, I love a, a steak and lobster type dish, okay. but fillet steak cooked really well. Um, but yeah, with a nice lobster sauce around. And there's a really good restaurant that's that's near us in Essex, run by this little Portuguese family. Do a fantastic fillet steak. They put lobster on the side, and they put this sauce around the side. And they mm. do it with rice, which is really unusual, okay. but fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, we might try and find out who that is, and we'll give them a shout. Yeah, they're, well, they're called Alvaro's. Okay, they're yeah, called yeah. Alvaro's. They're in Westcliff on Sea. They've only got about forty covers. Yeah. I mentioned them in my book. They are, uh, you know, they, I, I try and when I was you asked me that that probably would be my favourite restaurant for service for quality, but they're they're so small and hardly yeah, anyone yeah, yeah. knows them. So yeah. that's why. Well, more people know them now. Yeah. Um, best drink. What's your go-to? Well, I don't drink very much, um, but if I was going to drink, it would probably be gin and ginger ale. Okay. I love that. Yeah, I'm yeah. a bit pansy when it comes to alcohol. <laughs> Any particular gin? No, not really, no. It's whatever? Not, no, a British gin. Okay. <laughs> Scottish one? Or a Scottish gin, yeah. yeah. Anything that supports how you <laughs> And then last one is, worst meal you've ever had, or, or the dish you would hate? Uh, anything with mushrooms or cinnamon. So, <laughs> I'm not into mushrooms either. Oh, bloody yeah, hate yeah, the things. Yeah, I just, yeah. oh, can't stand them. Yeah. I hate the things. Horrible uh, bastards. Uh, any particular restaurants you've had a shocking meal in that you've walked out uh, of? I tell you what, I, I don't like 
things like Frankie and Benny's and stuff like that. I've, mm. I've, I've felt, like, I used to think they were good, and I think they've lost their, yeah, they haven't yeah. innovated their men, menus enough. That's why I'm a big fan of McDonald's. Yeah. And yeah. just I look at McDonald's, think you're a fantastic business. You yeah. innovate all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Just the little things like carrot sticks instead of chips they're doing mm. in their Happy Meals. Go on, mm. go for it, McDonald's. Well done. Yeah, no, they're doing the right things all you the time. Um, and then last couple of quick things was one piece of advice for a restaurant or bar owner that's having a hard time. What should they do? What should they focus on? Tra- track your spend ahead and count your customers because you can always increase spend ahead with decent management. So that can be, so if you're struggling, you count your customers in and you divide your turnover and count your spend ahead. And so that's what I did with my client that's got a restaurant and we increased their food sales because we became rigid and we made spend ahead cultural. Mm. So you can't just be the owner going, right, I'm gonna to need to make sure spend ahead is cultural to the business. So right down to the pot wash, to your back of house people, to the people serving, you know, how, every day we've got to increase spend ahead. Because usually the uplift in spend will drop to the bottom line. Spend ahead is your friend. And if, if, you don't, if you don't make it cultural, then there's no point doing it. Yeah. So uh, what's cultural? You literally go in, oh, you're 18, you've been in two days, what was your spend ahead yesterday? If they don't know, it's not cultural. Yeah. And then the very last thing is one piece of advice for an entrepreneur that's just about to set off regardless of age. What, what's your biggest piece of advice? You've got to become a marketeer rather than just a doer of your business. Focus on building your business, not running your business. You've got to learn how to get customers and keep customers. Yeah. The greatest entrepreneurs get marketing. So you might outsource your marketing, but you've got to understand what you're outsourcing. So, like, this is really, really I, I sort of tell business owners that really you've got to be like a family doctor or a GP. Mm-hmm. And then, but a GP knows all the right questions to ask a surgeon and yeah. a consultant. And if you don't know the right questions to answer, they'll do you over. Yeah. Suppliers will just go, oh, he, he doesn't ask the right questions, the yeah. awkward questions. We'll just do just enough. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to do just enough. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to, like, if you want to outsource your Google PPC, read two books on Google PPC, first of all, so that you ask better qualified questions yeah. to the experts you're getting in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you're, you've got to learn what good copy is. You don't have to do your copy necessarily. And I don't do our copy, but I'll read copy and go, this isn't good enough or this is spectacular. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to, you know, understand like dual readership path, which is so important, you know, on marketing. That's by the by. But yeah, getting customers. My new book on the 14th of June will be a great one for... (laughs) (laughs) Nice plug at the end. (laughs) James, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been brilliant to meet you, yeah. And just really, really enjoyed our chat. And, We'll get this up and, yeah, hopefully you can help people make yeah. their brand boom and pretty if you soon. Like, if you like what doing it, like our YouTube channel, like this 300 plus videos yeah. on entrepreneurship, marketing, like that spend the head thing, we've done videos on there, just type James Sinclair into YouTube Brilliant. and, you know, tickle your taste buds and have a feast on content <laughs> to, um, to help grow your business. And I, I get marketing for restaurants and, you know, we're... You know, we buy a million pounds worth of food and sell it every year across 11 locations. So we're big into the food business. Yeah. yeah. It's a third of our income, so it's important for us. Yeah. We'll get all that in the podcast notes as well, and we'll promote the hell out of it for you. Thank and, you, sir. But wish you well, and thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. Cheers. So there you have it. A massive thanks to James Sinclair, the millionaire clown, is one of his titles of his books, The Original Party Man, And good luck to James as well with his new book release all about getting customers to come to your business and all of those important strategies and the basics for you to put into your business to really make sure that you're acquiring customers, you're keeping customers and that customers are really shouting about your brand from the rooftops. A huge thanks also to all of you for listening to the new Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast, really trying to get everyone to spread the word. So please do share what the content that we're putting out. Please let your friends know. And even if it's just one more person listening, I really hope that it will bring them some value. A huge thanks also to Gaz and Gabby for putting together the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. I know it's an awful lot of work. So thanks so much for all of your efforts. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. I hope you have a really good week and I really hope that the information in this episode is enough to really bring some value, provoke some thoughts and help your brand boom. Boom.